Welcome to Hustlers Healthy Hacks. I'm Madeline Carafa, creator and host of the Healthy Hustlers. And I'm Tegan Martin, former Miss Universe Australia and presenter. Every Tuesday, we will be bringing you raw and honest conversations that we hope will empower you to live a healthier, happier life. If you enjoy our conversations, we'd love you to follow our adventures on Instagram. You can find Tegan at Tegan.Martin and myself, Madeline, at The Healthy Hustlers. Now let's dive into this week's conversation. Hey, it's Tegan Martin, and this episode is brought to you by ITP, my preferred tax company. The Income Tax Professionals, Australia's most trusted tax service with 140 offices Australia-wide. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Teagues, welcome back to the mics. How are you? I'm good, Mads, but I'm a little bit nervous about this topic. I know. <laughs> so am I. It's so funny because we're usually like, I'm so excited for this. And I know. A part of me is excited, but I think it's fair to say that we are a little bit nervous because anything to do with money and financials yes. can be very nerve-wracking. Money and anxiety go well together. They um, do. We certainly both have come a long way in regards to our own money stories and our belief around money and our belief of how much we are capable earning, which we talked about in our Money Mindset episode. Yes. But today, because we had such great feedback on that episode, we'd love to go into more of the strategy around how we've saved what patterns we've changed in order to get ahead financially um, and be the most independent, savvy boss babes that we can. Badass boss babes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think at the end of the day, this is very much about helping you guys create that financial wellness and I guess more positive feelings around your savings and the money that's in your bank. Absolutely. So ANZ actually states that one in two Aussies stress about their financial wellness. That's majority of our mm. of our population mm. and I can totally attest to this I'm guilty of it myself and I think it is a fair assumption to say that people do feel really overwhelmed and anxious when it does come to their financial situation and I guess those feelings can very easily lead to the feeling of almost like a bit of helplessness mm. when it comes to our financial situation helplessness then spirals into I think that this is all too hard, so I'm just going to spend money on things that provide instant gratification, Definitely. like the links on Instagram to shopping sites. Yes, absolutely. Guilty. They are dangerous, especially <laughs> for my mum at the moment. Everything she's buying is off <laughs> Facebook advertisement. <laughs> We've all done it, and I see a lot of this behaviour in those around me, Mads. If I'm honest, I can't really relate too much because mm. aside from having the occasional you know, spending spree very rarely. I've actually grown up with parents who have been quite tight with their money. They've never had a lot of it, but they've always been really savvy with it. And so I've always held on to it so tightly and saved every penny, which wasn't necessarily the right way to go about it either, because my highest earning years have actually been in the last two years, which has been when I changed my mindset around money in terms of I don't have to hold on to it so tightly, I can spend some of it mm. to turn that into more money. So this is what we're saying about, you know, today's episode being more around strategy um, rather than just an overall mindset of trying to release anxiety around money. We actually want to go into the strategy of how you can save more money, how you can make more money and what we've done to be able to become savvier savers. Definitely. And, you know, I'm very similar to you here, Teagues, as well, because I have definitely grown up with parents who have always, I guess, instilled good values when it comes to money, not, you know, they didn't earn 
loads of money. Mm. We were comfortable, but we were never a rich family. So it was always having to be quite mindful around what you're spending. Mm. So I think we both have some pretty savvy little ways. Um, I know for me in particular, you know, my mum always brought us up of having to lay by clothes. It was never like, I remember girls at school going on these big shopping trips with their mum and they'd come back with like bags full of all the surf clothes and I was like I want that but mum was like no you can have that jumper but you need to pay it off Mm. you know with your own money over time and never kind of spend more than you actually have. Maddie I used to walk around with Billadong and Rooksy jumpers from Golo or wherever I don't know where she got them from but like I'm sorry mum you're not (laughs) fooling my friends. That is so cute I love that she was trying to fool them though. (laughs) I would come home and be mortified at her purchases. (laughs) She would think that she's done, had the most, you know, groundbreaking morning of finding ways to hack the system and she just couldn't hack it with (laughs) Billadong and Rooksy. It doesn't work. Anyway, sorry, off topic. But but before we go into this, can I just say, there are two types of people in my eyes. There are the kids that have grown up with really savvy parents who are quite, savvy with money and maybe even, as I said earlier, so tight with it that they haven't learned how to invest or anything because they're just holding on to it. And then there's, I'm using my friendship group as an example, but then there's people that have grown up with parents that have had really savvy incomes. Mm -hmm. You know, they've always had money to play with. They've always got the best gifts for Christmas, birthdays, whatnot. And they don't actually know what they're doing when they're thrust into the real world without their parents' support and then they have to learn later on in life. So there's two ways. There's people like us who have to learn to where we get to a point and go, I need to learn to actually outsource now and spend some money to yes. make money and try and increase my salary. Of spending because it can become easy to be afraid of spending the money you earn. Yes, yes, which is where I was at. And yes. I, I, don't, I think maybe you were too at Yeah, some point. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, especially when you transition from a corporate job to, yes. you know, being self-employed. I've also watched friends' businesses fall to pieces because they have outsourced so much of the work and Mm. not done the numbers from Mm. the back end Mm. and realised that they weren't actually making the money that they thought they were because they were spending so much of it on people helping them run the business. Definitely. And I think that's, you know, it's the stats are really high of businesses failing in Mm. the first three years and it's because we are often spending more than we're actually making. So I think being really clear on your financial situation, what is coming in, but also what is going out is so, so important. You should never be spending more than you are actually making. Absolutely. I think we need to get back to basics and become more savvy around, you know, how we promote our businesses, how Mm. we're connecting with other people and getting the word out there instead of just relying on spending the big money and, you know, Mm. paying influencers or whatever it is to get the word out there, be more savvy about the way you speak about your business. You are really savvy in this aspect, so I'd love to question you on that later in the episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, I digress. Like we need to go back to the clothes because that is a big big factor of females burning through their, their savings. Definitely. Yeah, I think clothes and materialistic items are definitely a huge factor in why as women we cannot feel financially secure Mm. um, and safe. I think, yeah, it's a trap. It's a real trap, especially with the way that social media is today and Mm. everyone having the best of the best. Yeah. We feel like we need to keep up with the Joneses. Absolutely. Um, And I, something I do admire about both of us is that we are quite savvy 
in this way. Mm-hmm. I know, especially for you, someone who is in the public eye a lot, you're on red carpets, you're very much, you know, in the celebrity world. Mm. You've done a very good job of being very savvy when it comes to your wardrobe. Mm. So do you want to maybe give a bit of insight yeah. there of, of how you've approached that? Look, I know that my friends look at me and think she's so lucky she gets gifted or gets to loan so many brands, but often no one would see it from my perspective in that when you're in this world, there is this huge pressure to be wearing high-end designers who are actually quite unattainable to borrow. So I have the same pressure that everyone else has in that I feel like I'm judged on wearing something that's recycled or that's not, you know, one of the the top end designers. It might be a middle tier designer, but why is she wearing that to such a high end event? Mm. It's been a really tricky road to navigate for me. But one of the main things being staying true to who I am in not spending my money on designer handbags has been a huge one for me because there is this real trend at the moment of people flashing these designer handbags on their Instagram like they're easy for people to be able to obtain and they're not and I have no shame in posting that I've borrowed mine from you know a boutique and just being really open and honest with my audience around you know maybe one day I will buy one to treat myself I've got some old ones that I've bought from friends and whatnot over the years, but I've never actually bought a new designer bag because yeah. they it's a depreciating asset yeah. and that's money that could be going towards setting your future up mm-hmm. and potentially even your kid's future too. Definitely. So I just, unless you are someone that's extremely wealthy, like yeah. I just don't advise it. It's so funny that you say this because a big thing for me, I guess, and I'm sure a lot of soon to be mums or mums out there have heard about the old push present where Mm. you're gifted a present from your husband after giving birth to a baby. Yeah. Which I will not lie, before having Georgia, I was all about the push present and I had my eye on the designer handbag that I wanted. Ah. But as time went on and I realized that we how lucky am I to actually just be able to carry a baby? Mm. Why do I need a present or a gift to congratulate me on being able to bring new life into the world. Mm. Like the more that I thought about it and the more I went back to my values Mm. and my morals, it just did not sit right. Why should my husband have to spend three and a half grand so I have a nice handbag, even though he's going to be working his ass off? Mm. And look, each to their own. If you're in a financial situation to do that, good on you, like you deserve that. But I think the pressure Mm. on women and the amount of times that actually came up, are you getting a push present? Are you getting a push present? Like I actually got to a point where I was like, no, I don't, I'm happy to say that I'm not going to. I think it's ridiculous that we put this immense amount of pressure on ourselves and on our partners Mm. for something that is just so insignificant. Two things on this because wow, I didn't even think about push presents and how much money people blow on that, you know, amongst engagement rings and all the other things the poor bloke has to buy. Um, But firstly, if you were to write your mortgage up on a whiteboard Mm -hmm. and then take off the three and a half grand that you would have spent on the designer bag on the whiteboard that's visually in front of you Mm -hmm. or buy the designer bag and then bring back the designer bag and hold it next to the whiteboard six months later and go, I wonder if I, if I could trade this back for the same amount of money or take three and a half grand off our whiteboard, what would, what I, would I do? I do? Majority of us would probably choose the whiteboard they, because it loses its value so quickly. We're not thinking about the long-term 
the long-term picture, like mm. what is, you know, we have to still pay a mortgage or your car or your student loan, whatever it is for you, you have to continue to pay that mm. each and every single month. That's not going away. Mm. So to get this one thing and spend this lump sum of money for me just – Rather felt, than get ahead. Th- rather than yeah. get ahead. Not even get ahead to just think, no, I don't need that because we are also going down to one wage now, mm. so it's putting a lot of pressure on Ryan – We've got X, Y, and Z to still pay for for mm. the next, you know, however long I'm off work for. That money still is going out regardless of the fact if I get the hammer. Why would I then put additional pressure on just so that I can have this push present mm. that everyone thinks is so necessary because you've been able to give birth? I know for friends of mine it's been a huge reality check going from two wages to one. My second point on you talking about the push present was – once you're in a relationship for longer than, you know, two mm-hmm. years, your money is their money. Most likely yeah. shared. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you have to respect your partner's money as much as you respect yeah. your own. Totally. And I think that that's something that I've even tried to be really conscious of when I'm in a relationship. Like if I see a future with this guy, mm. you know, it's easy enough for me to say, yeah, let's go out for a fancy dinner because you've offered to take me out for a fancy dinner because you want to treat me. But I have to think every time you do that, that that's money coming out of our future, future. which, Definitely. you know, I don't want to be 50 years old and looking at the prospect of being in a really crappy retirement home because yeah. I decided to live a lavish lifestyle in my 20s when I could have realistically had mm. just as much fun. without spending the money on the lavish things. Absolutely. So I would love to get into some of, I guess, the strategies that you use more on a daily basis, but also Mm. some of the long-term things just to get into your headspace of how you actually think about money. Because a lot of this might be new Mm. to people. They might not either be in that situation yet where they've had to think about their money for a long term. Like if you're a uni student, you might, you know, I know I only had to start thinking about this properly when I got to about 25 or so. They might not even be on a full-time wage. So how do you kind of focus on a weekly basis as how you spend your money and how you don't? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I'm going to put everything out there because although sometimes I think these aren't helpful, like these are boring, we've learned from these episodes that, you know, people are taking golden nuggets out of things that we thought were fairly, you know, standard. Definitely. Um, So I rarely ever eat out. I might once a week, once a fortnight if I've got a really busy day. But if I do choose to eat on the go because I've run out of time and I'm really hungry, like I do also prioritize if I'm really hungry and I need energy to fuel me and I haven't packed my lunch, I need to eat something. So I'll go to a Subway for a salad, Mm -hmm. which is super healthy. They do super great salads. You know, fast food doesn't have to be greasy, you know, food. Um, over stopping off at a cafe and buying okay. a $25 salad. Yep. And the coffee. And, and the, the coffee and whatever know, else you choose. Slice you yeah. See on the way out. <laughs> yeah. So um, that might sound like stingy to some people, but for me, it's just been something that I've trained myself to do since yeah, I was on absolutely. a hairdressing apprentice wage. Even going to Coles or Woolies or something and getting one of the yeah. salad mixes and, yep. you know, a can of tuna. We'll be right back with the rest of this episode after this healthy break. Hi guys, it's Tegan Martin and I want to share with you how I changed my perspective around tax and money. I started using ITP when I was feeling stressed about whether I was getting the best out of my tax return. Within a few months, ITP had completely flipped around my tax service and strategies. 
Today, I'm claiming things I never knew I could claim, plus building a strategy around my dream of purchasing a property with tax advantages as a key focus. With 140 offices around Australia, ITP are committed to maximizing your tax return and ensuring you are well on your way to financial freedom. Are you getting the best out of your financial year? If not, click the link in the show notes below to contact an ITP expert today. Secondly, prioritizing cheaper rental areas. Yes. So I know that's not a daily thing, but no, it's that's been something huge you've done very me. well. Yeah. So when I was living in Sydney, I've always been a saver, as I said. So I moved down to Sydney and I was like, I'm not paying $250 a week rent. That is dead money. Like I had this mindset at this age of 19 that that was dead money. And I nannied and found a way to pay my rent through nannying for quite a wealthy family for the first, I think, eight months of living in Sydney. Then I happened to have a really generous friend who I lived with for a while rent free. And then when it came to the reality of, okay, like if you move to a larger city to make more money, um, you're probably going to have to pay rent at some point. I had a lot of my friends moving to Bondi, which was $350 for a small crappy room. I moved to Coogee, um, which was 10 minutes down the road, but it was a much cheaper area to live in, in terms of like buying out and everything. Like yes. everything was, is just cheaper because it's not a, an area designed for tourists to visit. Yeah, okay. Then once I'd been there for a few years, I realized that Maroubra, the suburb over again, which was five, six minutes down the road, was actually a whole lot cheaper and you could live in something much more extravagant mm-hmm. for an even cheaper price than the Coogee. So I've always looked for better opportunities around renting. Yeah. And then when I moved to Melbourne, it was a whole new ball game. I had to understand the area a little bit. And now I've got my head around it. You know, I'm about to move after living six months in, in South Yarra. So, yeah. yeah, I think rent is a huge money sucker. Definitely. And I think not, you know, if you are living at home or, you know, you're in a situation where you're not having to pay rent, a really good one is actually putting that money into a bank account yes. that you can't touch. So treat it like you are paying rent, you know, pay the $150 or the $200 yep. that you would have to be spending or your friends are spending on living out of home. Mm. Put that into a savings account. Absolutely. And before you know it, like that grows very quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea. I man. know that was something that I yeah definitely did when I moved back home for a while. I kept paying the rent that I was going to and yep. it gives you so much financial freedom later down the path. Absolutely. We tend to adjust our lifestyle and spending to what we're saving which is our whole point around this episode the simple way that the barefoot investor talks about the simple way of saving money is spending less than you earn yes and continually looking at what you earn and what you spend and when you earn more Still spending the same amount, not increasing your spending. And I think for people on a salary, that's probably a huge thing because I know how quickly if, you know, you get that pay rise and all of a sudden you start spending that money and your lifestyle becomes more expensive because you're earning more. Mm. When in reality, you know, I know I always looked back to my first job, which was like 42,000 or something like that. Mm. When I first finished uni and I'm like, I always survived on that. I lived out of home. I never went without anything. I survived on that. So now that I'm on X amount of money, why do I still feel like I never have enough? Yeah. So I think, you know, really stripping it back and figuring out what you need each week Mm. And how you can still survive off that original salary. I've never, I've never had a massive strategy around money. Like obviously, 
I've learned little things along the way, tips and tricks, but I've always just in every moment chosen either whether I really need to even do that or Mm -hmm. have that, which a lot of the time I'll just go, no. And you know what? I forget about it eight hours later. I forget about even the fact Mm -hmm. that I wanted to purchase that at 9am this morning or I look for a cheaper option, you know. Sometimes quality is best and yes. buying those few key pieces of your uh, wardrobe that are going to last mm-hmm. long term is important. But yeah. sometimes you don't it's need not. to spend $50 on a singlet. Definitely. And I think the key with you is that you've always been very <laughs> mindful and considered, which allows you to then make the best choice. Whether I think we get quite impulsive with purchases. Yeah. And something I've really started to prioritize is if I want to buy something, I'll never buy it on the spot. I'll put it on a list Mm. in my phone and in a week's time and two weeks time, a month's time, I'll go back. Do I still want that? Am I still going to use that for X, Y, and Z? And you know what you do? You forget you wrote the list. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Or half the time you're like, no, I actually don't need that at all. Yeah. So I think just being more considered and more mindful is obviously what's worked really well for you. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Mads? I know you've got some super savvy ways that I have learned from since being besties with you. Oh, thanks, babe. (laughs) Well, I think for me, a big one is around food and the way we consume food as a family. That's for two reasons. One, environmentally, but also just financially. I find doing one big grocery shop every Sunday works a treat because we're not running to the shops last minute buying. I'm someone that goes into a supermarket and needs two things and we'll walk out with 15. Yeah. So Ryan was like, we need to stop doing this because we're spending so much more than we actually need to. So we, you know, we make a little occasion out of it. Sunday morning, we go up the street, get a coffee, take Georgia out for the morning, do our big grocery shop for the week. And then we try our absolute hardest not to have to go back to the shops absolutely there's things you forget but Mm. as in a whole we then try to eat every single thing out of the fridge that week we means we have to get a little bit creative with food or sometimes we have the odd very boring meal Mm. (laughs) because there's not much left but the rule is that it all needs to be eaten by the next Sunday when we go to do the groceries. I'm um, so, so bad at this. I am the biggest us, food waster. And do you I'm, know how much I was as well before I lived with Ryan? And he is so good with it. He will not let us waste food. And I love that. And it's really, really taught me to, one, yeah, be more creative with my meals, not eat out. Like it's so easy to waste money especially Mm. if you're at work and you're buying your lunch you're buying a coffee you're buying breakfast and afternoon snack like you can spend thirty dollars a day like that without realizing Mm. then you're going home and going to the supermarket and probably buying more than you actually need on the way home yeah so it's just becoming more considered at the start of the week it gives you more time and freedom of night as well because you go home and everything's in the fridge but we would literally get our breakfast, lunch and dinners out of that for the full week. So that's been a huge saving for us. That's fantastic. Um, I and love that you. I think it's so much better as well. Totally. And if you've done the big shop, you're probably only going to stop in for an almond milk or, totally. you know, a packet of nuts for your salad or yeah, something it's not that going to turn into. <laughs> yeah. um, a a big one too. A $5 a, a day on coffee. Look, one. honestly – I'm so bad with money around food because I, I'm i like I will spend whatever on food and then my beauty, my makeup, my clothes, my everything else kind of falls by the wayside a little yeah. bit. Like I'm like, no, I want to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it and I sometimes can't 
go past buying my coffee out because I, but I love think that's it. that's a great thing. And so that's so great though because you've actually prioritised and you value that. Like you truly value and enjoy getting your coffee and eating out. Mm. I think – Not eating out, just my coffee out but then also eating what I feel, feel like, like eating. So yes. I won't – be able to do a big shop at the start of the week because I'm so sure of what I feel like each yeah, day. Okay. So like I'll go and buy, but As you know you what? I it. probably could do a core shop mm-hmm. and then just go and buy a few Add things instead of, as you said, every time I go there, I spend so much money, I'm like $70 per shop. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the absolute <laughs> worst at buying a million and one things that I actually don't need. It's just because I'm in the supermarket. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But I think, you know, with your point is, you know what you value and mm. that's what's important in this. If you value something, absolutely spend the money on it. Just learn that you can't have it all. Exactly. You've got to it's, give and take. You've got to figure out what you do value and what you don't. Be interesting to sit down and do a bit of a graph on, you know, clothing, food, extracurricular activities, sport, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, whatever, kids and and actually do, you know, a one out of, give it a one out of 10 mark and have a look at the graph next to each Definitely. other and see where you need to pull back on your spending because your values, as you said, are everything. We all need to live our life. We can't wake up every morning counting every cent that we spend. We, mm-hmm. ne- we just need to be a little bit intuitive around it yep. sometimes. Definitely. And I think just having a really clear indication of where you need to be financially what you have coming up like I know for me something that's been quite fun in a way of saving is having a fun money or play money Mm. versus serious savings money so I'll give myself a little budget each fortnight it's like I know that that needs to pay for my coffee out my outfit if I have to go to a wedding or whatever it is versus the money that's sitting in the saving serious Mm. savings account so being really clear on what you need each week or each month to pay off your financial commitments like car payments or mortgage and then having that little bit of extra play money. I know um, the Barefoot Investor is big on this too and I speak about him a lot through this episode because he's the trendy man the, when it comes to money at the he's moment. The expert with it all. If you haven't read The Barefoot Investor, I think mm-hmm. it is. The Barefoot Investor, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, read it because if you are on a you know, set yearly salary, it can be really helpful. I found it a little bit harder to convert his information into action because I am self-employed and I don't know my monthly income, but he has some really savvy ways for both type of earners. Yeah, I love um, it. And my friends follow him religiously. You know, they have an account for holidays. They yes. have an account for extracurricular activities and, you know, yeah. love things. They yeah. have an account for groceries, rent. And, and they, so they set important. up these separate accounts. Definitely. So I've they actually that. can't yeah. go wrong. And if you name them fun things and you see what's in them, it actually gets quite exciting and becomes a bit of a game. Yeah. But Teeks, before we finish up, I know you have some really great tips from ITP. I do. Would you like to share some of them? Because I think they will be really useful for our audience and some great takeouts from the episode. Absolutely, Mad. So uh, I've mentioned before in this podcast that ITP are now my accounting firm. They have completely flipped the way I think about tax, um, reducing my taxable income, but they've also been able to supply financial advice to me that has been pretty life-changing. You know, basic things like the money that I've had sitting in my account accumulating each year is actually depreciating. And if I don't invest that into something sooner rather than later that money that I have so as I said like worked so hard for but held on to and gripped so tightly to since I was you know 17 years of age 
it's just going to be depreciating yeah. as the time goes on and, and sitting down and having that open conversation around, hey, this is what I earned, this is how much I've earned over the years, this is my you know, company information, mm-hmm. this is how I usually do my tax, these are the things that I'd like to improve on when it comes to my tax, I'd love to set up a QuickBooks but I don't know how, yes. all of these questions that the – company ITP literally have babied me through yeah, like you ser- have seriously become so much more excited about finances yes. and tax since working with them because if you don't have someone to advise you and I think ethically is a good word as well like Definitely. there's so many accountants out there that people sort of are like oh my accountant like it gets me so much back it's amazing yeah. and I'm like you have no idea how much trouble you will be in if yeah. you are audited like it's just not worth it and they're Absolutely. getting stricter and stricter and now there's obviously you know computerized ways of picking mm. up on different things, different things yeah. that that you're doing that may not be legal mm-hmm. so just don't do it, but do find someone that is ethical but also is savvy yes. enough to get you the best tax return possible mm-hmm. and to give you the best financial advice possible Yeah, because we're not expected to be experts at saving or investing no. and we do need to uh, hire someone that is affordable, that is savvy and ethical to help us in um, the aspect of saving and investing for our future. So a few little tips from ITP Australia. If you are self-employed and running a business, choose working with a contractor over hiring an employee, which comes with a whole host of legal Mm -hmm. legal obligations. And I've picked things that are relative to me right now because I have found a contractor to work with me Mm -hmm. regularly. Yes. Which I was doing anyway. Yeah. But I was very close to thinking maybe I should turn this into an an employer-employee relationship. Mm -hmm. Whereas I didn't realize that that would bring along, you know, all of these extra sort of yeah. payments I would need to Definitely. to be forking out, and which I, wasn't going to be advantageous to me in the long run. Definitely. And I think until you're in a financial situation with your business that you have quite steady income for a significant amount of time, mm. it is really hard just because you're having a good few months doesn't mean that that's actually going to roll over to a good few years. Absolutely. So I think being using contractors, I am all for that as well. I think the financial pressure that it takes off you to know that, well, when I have the money and I can afford it, I can get someone to help me with the job. But when I don't, I can be a bit more savvy and manage my time better that I can get the work that's a priority done. Absolutely. As I said earlier, I always held on to money so tightly that outsourcing things was not something that I was comfortable doing. But in learning that, you know, improving the quality of the work that I put out there and elevating my content and ensuring that my emails are responded to within an hour rather than eight hours and all these little things that having someone help you can do is invaluable to growing your business. And there is a point where you may have to spend some money if you have it coming in, um, but be very careful of that fine line in over outsourcing. (laughs) (laughs) My next one is... Start looking at your super not as a punishment but as a way to save money on tax. And if you want any more information on that one, you can head to uh, the ITP Australia website or there's lots of fun facts on their Instagram as well. Um, The next one was hire a bookkeeper. Ask yourself if doing my own books is the best way I can spend my time. Is it time to outsource? I know that a lot of people may think if they're working for someone else that having someone do their bookkeeping is not necessary, but we all have bookwork and tax to to do. So 
finding someone even that's really great at doing your end of year tax return for everyone, whether you're employed or you're employing other people is a really great tip. And our last one is ensure you are working with a trusted and savvy accountant to ensure you have an ethical but hungry accountant saving you as much money on tax as possible. Um, we spoke it. about this earlier, but yeah, you got to get someone that knows what they're doing and Definitely. is ethical. So I highly recommend ITP to get the job done there. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We hope you got something out of this episode and we will see you next week. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review on the podcast app. If you'd like to suggest a topic, we'd love to hear from you via Instagram at The Healthy Hustlers or via the website, thehealthyhustlers.com. If you'd like to stay up to date with all things hustle, please follow at tegan.martin and at thehealthyhustlers on Instagram. See you all next week.